Super Nerd Podcast, the adventure that brings you the latest nerd news and rumors from movies, TV, entertainment, and sometimes science. You name it, if it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's main event is... Loki Begins Nerd Out! I am your host, Austin, and with me, as always, is the amazing Amanda! The wild yet elusive Jekka. What's shaking bacon? And <laughs> the rambunctious Bob. Uh, <laughs> oh, I forgot your name for a second. Can you believe that? <laughs> that was oh, really funny. It is literally the only palindrome you can spell oh. upside down. Well, folks, obviously we're talking Loki a little bit later, but we're also going to be talking the first footage of Jurassic World Dominion has been screened for reporters. A new animated Lord of the Rings film for theaters has been announced. New story details on the upcoming Star Wars series, The Book of Boba Fett, and a whole lot more. So make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button. We would love to nerd out with you each and every week. And if you've already hit that podcast subscribe button, you know what I'm going to say. Plus 10 Nerd XP to you. Nerd XP. We love you guys. And as soon as you hit that podcast subscribe button, you too can start earning some Nerd XP. Nerd XP. But in the meantime, check out. It seems like it's been forever since we've had you on the podcast. What's nerdy with you? Yes. So I, I went on vacation in New Jersey and then Monday was, <laughs> so it was back to back of craziness happening. But it was, whoa, 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 back up there, back up there. You said you went to New, New Jersey. went to New Jersey. I did. Um, I have a friend that lives out there, and so I hadn't seen her for two years thanks to COVID. I meant to go visit her last year, but COVID, like, so. They got put in lockdown because, like, you know, COVID hit New York, the surrounding that. And then when their numbers started going down, Utah's numbers started to go up. Utah got headlisted. So there was no way we could go out and visit her unless like, we, we can't take weeks off work. Um, so I finally got to go visit her. And I went to the beach. And I went to New York City, and that was fun. That it's sounds like really fun. Yeah. But it's not necessarily the whole what, biggest nerdy thing with me. Um, like, it was just, I just wanted to talk about a little bit, like, so one of the D&D games I'm in, <laughs> uh, my Ooh. character's a Dragonborn Paladin, and we're going to do this stealth mission. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just stay behind. And as everyone kind of clears floors, then I'll kind of move up, just like kind of guard everything back. Mm-hmm. So the very first, so being a dragonborn paladin, I have a heavy armor, which means that when it comes to stealth, I actually have disadvantage. So for those of you out there who don't understand D&D like I would, um, disadvantage means you roll two D20s or 20-sided dice, and you take the smaller number of the two. So I decided I just wanted to, like, move across the room, and I rolled, and I got a natural one, which is like a huh. failure, and as a result of that, we alerted <laughs> a lot of these, like, lizard things called kobolds, and so then we had to go on a killing spree while trying to do the stealth mission, so I, like, 
I was like, oh man, I totally messed up the mission. <laughs> That's a bummer. I know, but it'll but be kind fun. of funny too. Yeah, luckily the the cobalt the lizard thing, they're super weak, so like the one strike from my sword kills them, so it, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> At least it's all right, Amanda, what's nerdy with you? So we had movie night this week, and got some friends over, and it was Austin's week to pick. We, we decided adults get to do every other week, and the kids. Sometimes we'll give a variety of movies for the kids to pick from, but we get to curate what they pick from. Of course. So Austin didn't give them a choice. He just said, we're watching the never ending story. Um, And so (laughs) I can't really remember it very well. All I remember was it was okay. I never saw it. I don't remember seeing it as a kid, only as an adult. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So it, I took a very nice, needed nap. <laughs> she she napped during the never-ending story. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Well, I hope it now, was a never-ending nap. <laughs> now, I will admit. When you have five little kids running around biting ankles, like, you gotta yeah. take any chance you get. I will admit that uh, the never-ending story is one of those films best watched when you're young. And that's part of the reason why I wanted my kids to watch it, because I remember it being so fantastic. But but I hadn't seen the movie, honestly, in like 25 plus years. And so it's been a while for me. And I was thinking that I couldn't remember the plot too well. Um, And so I wanted to watch it again. And I knew it was, you know, a good movie. And so we watch this thing. We get through the whole movie and I'm like, well, uh, the movie actually is pretty weak on plot. <laughs> and I think I think that's why I didn't actually remember it. That being said, it's still a dang good movie for the scenes that it gives you. So just to share with you, so my one of my favorite animes uh, from when I was a teenager is just got put on um, Peacock. And so I got really excited. And I'm watching the first episode just um, like yesterday. And I'm like, Wow, it is a very similar plot to the never-ending story. <laughs> Wait, what is this? Fushigi Yugi. Uh, I'm okay. Oh, that's a very popular one. It is. Fushigi, it is very popular. Fushigi very Yugi. Popular. Right? Fushigi Yugi. Fushigi Yugi. Fushigi Yugi. Fushigi anyway, Yugi. so it, it's this the premise that one person has to be reading the story. Uh, but the other person is like a good friend or sibling that's been pulled into the book and living out the plot. So not the same, but it was similar. So it made me think of that. Well, it's not as good as the never ending story. Oh, it is so better. No, it's so not. So much no, better. No, it's not. Anyways, I think it's time to talk <laughs> some nerd news. Many Bothans died to bring us this information. And what is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well, Jurassic World Dominion director Kevin Trevorrow has previewed the entire opening scene to reporters and is saying that the film will be unconventional. So director Colin Trevorrow recently spoke in an interview with Collider explaining that Jurassic World Dominion is going to be a bit unconventional. He says that the movie won't 
strictly follow a traditional screenplay structure with one main character where everybody knows what happens on page 12, end quote. Instead, Trevorrow is focused on two sets of characters. He says that the film is telling two parallel stories that are just driving closer and closer together. And you understand that and you start to understand how they're going to intersect. And then they do. But that's not a traditional way to structure a movie, end quote. Trevorrow went on to ensure that he's not shortchanging anybody. Laura and Sam and Jeff are just as big a part of the movie as Chris and Bryce are. As far as screen time, as far as their importance to the story and everything. End quote. Trevorrow also showed off the entire opening scene of Jurassic World Dominion to reporters as part of a press junket. And though the footage has not made its way to the internet, fans will be delighted to know that they will get a chance to see this same footage if they attend the IMAX screening of the upcoming Fast and Furious film F9 coming out out (laughs) on June 25th. So according to those that have seen the footage, it will reveal what Earth looked like long before humans existed and tells the origin story of how dinosaur DNA first came to be carried by that mythic mosquito. The footage also showed off seven new species of dinosaurs, obviously created by the legendary Industrial Light and Magic, that have never been seen in any of the Jurassic films before. And though the footage hasn't been released yet, what has been released is a poster of the mosquito getting the dinosaur blood as well as the first image from the movie that seems to show a baby feathered dinosaur that really, really looks like a baby raptor next to a fiercely toothed adult uh, mouth, but is apparently not a raptor. It's one of the new species that we just talked about. Apparently, it's an offshoot of the T-Rex family tree called Moros Intrepidus. So links to both the poster and the image will be in the podcast show notes so you guys can check it out. And obviously, go, go watch that footage at, at uh, the IMAX F9. Jurassic World Dominion arrives June 10th, 2022. I don't know. What do you guys What do you guys think? So, first drop of a scientific name, I immediately looked it up. And yes, it is a Tyrannosauroid theropod. Lived during the late Cretaceous period. I am just going off of Wikipedia here. You know, okay. Reliable. So Wikipedia um, was recently edited. <laughs> yes, it must have recently yeah. edited. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was found in Utah in Emory County, oh. which um, oh, I think Emory County is the, uh, if I recall correctly, uh, it's by Price, Price. But it's an area where they with a lot of dinosaurs fossils have been found um very cool interesting um it shows here that it is it looks like it's about velociraptor size because it's small body but it's related to the dinosaur huh so it doesn't look very big at least according to the diagram Uh here um but yeah i mean i'm like like i will say i'm like they better be seven like actual species of dinosaurs and not like these like monster dinosaur 
that we can yeah. get. Hey, I'm, hey. I'm kind of tired of don't them. Be, uh, don't be talking bad about the monster dinosaurs. They have feelings, too. <laughs> <laughs> they may be artificial feelings, but they are feelings. Well, if they're gonna be, if this, if they're wrapping up the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World franchise, uh, I think it's cool that they're starting off the movie by showing us uh, how the dinosaur DNA ended up in that mosquito. And it's kind of a full circle thing, all the way back to the, the first Jurassic Park film. Well, and I want to comment. Oh, go ahead, Amanda. I, w- I was just gonna say, I. If they're wrapping it up, it's a wrapping it up for now, so that way they can reboot it in about five years. Yeah, right? That's Because that's how they work. <laughs> and, like, the picture here of, like, the little baby dinosaur next to, like, the large tooth jaw, it looks like they're adding more and more feathers to these guys. Oh, yeah. He's very feathery. Hopefully. Yeah, whole, there. Not, not very long feathers. It's like cat fur. It's like fuzz. It's fuzz. <laughs> In in yeah. the bird world, it would be called down. All right, moving on. Jurassic, um, Jurassic, Ghostbusters. <laughs> excuse me, Ghostbusters Afterlife have released a small video feature titled "Passing the Proton Pack," which talks about the father and son duo making this movie. So, if you're a fan of Ghostbusters, then you're anxiously awaiting for Ghostbusters Afterlife, and to help ease the burden on waiting for so long a new featurette called passing the proton pack featuring director jason reitman talking about the film with his dad ivan reitman who directed the two original films now this next chapter in the ghostbusters universe centers on a single mom and her two kids arriving in a small town they begin to discover their connection to the original ghostbusters and the secret legacy their grandfather left behind it's interesting to listen to their insights on the franchise and what it was like working together on Ghostbusters Afterlife. So let's jump right into the clip and talk about it afterwards. Ghostbusters Afterlife will be released in theaters November 11th, 2021. I'm Ivan Reitman, director of Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, better known as Dad. <laughs> and I'm his son, Jason Reitman, director of Ghostbusters Afterlife. The Ghostbusters 84 set is the first set I can remember. As a kid, it was just simply magical. He was there with his mom, my wife, and uh, they, in fact, they actually used it in this, in one moment in the film when we got a, cut out of the original Ghostbusters. That's what he's getting at. They got scared after the first take. Jason wouldn't do a second take. I. <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife is a movie about a family that's being made by a family. And it is much about the passing of Torch, metaphorically, and the passing of a proton pack. It was very emotional to see that uh, story living again after so many years uh, through my son. I grew up as a fan. I had a flight suit. I had the T-shirt. I had the hat. Now, at this age, I find myself trying to understand who my father is. And who he was when he made this film. You know, I am now the age that my father was when he made the original Ghostbusters movie. And I'm trying to understand him in the same way that Phoebe and Callie are trying to understand where they came from. While making the movie, my father's presence was felt most like this. Inches away, watching the monitor. Imagine yourself in your workplace and your parents are sitting right next to you. Watching you take every phone call watching you present any idea, chiming in often. (laughs) 
It was probably more fun for me than for Jason. <laughs> <laughs> there was a moment when we were shooting with three cameras, a scene with five or six actors. And I found myself on set, sitting next to one of the cameras, watching one actor in particular who I wanted a performance from. And after the take was done, I ran back to monitor to review the other cameras. And my father looked at me and just said, you got it. I went, okay. And I nodded and we moved on, which is not an experience I could have ever happened or probably will ever happen on any other movie. Jason had a remarkable responsibility having to deal with his father on the set and also the history and iconography of 35 years of audiences all over the world getting to know this movie. And he took it on, which I thought was a brave thing to do. My father and I are extraordinarily close. It was a joyful experience just to be there. It was the great bonding experience of my life with the director that I admire most, my father. Phone's probably mine. Dad, I'm in the like I I'm trying to do the EP. Back to one, guys. So my my problem listening to this is I can't identify with having that fabulous relationship with a parent to be able to do something like with that with them. Like when I was in school, I wouldn't let my mom go over my homework because of how critical of like every little thing. So, like, I couldn't even have my mom check my homework for me, let alone work on something like that with me. That's insane. So, I'm just, I'm listening to it. That's so cool. And it gives me a lot of hope for the film, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I know, I was kind of impressed when um, Jason Reitman says that, like, he goes over to, like, kind of check out the other cameras and his dad's like you got it and he's like oh okay and i'm like that's a lot of trust right there <laughs> i think i think they're releasing this to try to tell everybody look we know he messed up with the previous <laughs> ghostbusters <laughs> this, this one I didn't dislike that one this but this one will be legitimate because the original ghostbusters director was literally sitting there inches away through the entire thing. So, we got this, guy. Bob, the, the problem with the last Ghostbusters film was isn't it that it wasn't absolutely terrible. It's that it didn't live up to the other movies. Oh, no, not even close. Does that make sense, Bob? Yes, it does make sense. Uh, yes, I'm sure talking with Bob. I can kind of see that, but the, I think the, uh, the problem is that everybody went into it assuming that it was going to be either continuation or a reboot of the original Ghostbusters. It was a reboot. It was terrible. It, it was. wasn't a shot-for-shot shot remake. It, it I, don't, I don't want a shot-for-shot shot remake. A reboot doesn't have to be a shot-for-remake. Shot I mean, let's look at Star Trek reboot. That was great. It wasn't a shot-for-shot shot remake. I'm going to have to disagree with the vast majority of nerddom in saying that I I honestly enjoyed that movie. You're, and that's, that's fabulous. That's fine. You're allowed to be wrong from okay. time to time. Uh, All right, I let's had move my on. issues that just had to do with directoral choices I disagreed with. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Warner Brothers. This one's baffling my mind, folks. I'll just say that right up front. Warner Brothers and, and New Line Cinema have announced a Lord of the Rings prequel anime film coming to movie theaters. <laughs> Warner Brothers is developing an anime Lord of the Rings film with New Line Cinema titled 
the Lord of the Rings, the War of how do you Rohirrim? Rohirrim. Rohirrim. The War of Rohirrim. The War of Rohirrim focuses on a character from the book's appendix, the mighty king of Rohan, Helm Hammerhand, and a legendary battle which helped shape Middle-earth heading into Lord of the Rings. This movie will expand the untold story behind the fortress of Helm's Deep, delving into the life in blood-soaked times of Hammerhand. Overall, the voice, um, the voice, the movie is a companion piece to New Line Cinema's Lord of the Rings trilogy and is set roughly 250 years before that movie during the Third Age. Peter Jackson is not currently involved with the project, but may jump on board at some point. It said his involvement is yet to be determined. However, Lord of the Rings Return of the King scribe, Philippa Boyens, is working as a consultant on the new project. New Line Cinema said in a statement, All of us at New Line feel a deep affinity for the extraordinary world of J.R.L. Tolkien's, uh, Tolkien's world that he created. So the opportunity to dive back into Middle Earth with the team at Warner Brothers Animation is a dream come true. Fans know Helm's Deep as the stage for one of the greatest bat battles ever put to film. And with many of the same creative visionaries involved, we couldn't be more excited to deliver a fresh vision of its history that will invite global audiences to experience the rich, complex saga of Middle Earth in a thrilling new way. Warner Brothers Animation added, this will be yet another epic portrayal of J.R.R. Tolkien's world that has never been told before. We're honored to partner with much of the incredible talent behind both film trilogies, along with the new creative luminaries to tell this story. And so it begins, end quote. Uh, Bob, what do you think? So let me get this right. This is not a prequel to the prequel. And it's not a prequel to the sequel. It's a prequel to the original trilogy, which is a sequel to the most recent trilogy. Yes. Am I, I got that right? Correct. Well, prequel. So this I is some Star Wars level confusion. So yeah, it, it, it's a companion prequel because it it doesn't have anything to do with the prequel to the sequel. <laughs> so it's like Solo. Yeah, it's kind of like Solo. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it, it's a it's a solo film. <laughs> you 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 could watch it. You could not watch it. It's a, it's an alright movie. Um, to be completely honest with you, I love the fact that they're going into um, that they're going into uh, to exploring some of these uh, some of these side characters that are only tangentially um, mentioned in the books, and th that's awesome. However, um, I think that. Christopher had his uh, Christopher Christopher Token had his misgivings for a good reason. J.R. Token's son. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, he had his misgivings for good reason. The fact the fact of the matter is that Hollywood has a tendency to butcher anything it gets its hands on, unless you have a very strong person. Um, guiding that hand. Peter Jackson did a great job with both trilogies. And, and Christopher I mean, like, Tolkien hated him. He hated them, but he did a great job with them in adapting something that is probably one of the densest novels I've ever read. Mm -hmm. 
into into a two and a half if you re watch the theatrical version uh format. But the fact of the matter is that now we're into territory we're starting to get into territory where we don't have a lot written about these characters. So everything's gonna be made up. Yeah. What would uh what would J.R.R. say? What what would he have uh, made this uh Rohirrim king do beyond the small footnotes that he put into place? And that that's something that's gonna be hard to explore. What's what's going to be interesting is this is in direct competition to Amazon's Lord of the Rings. That's what I was thinking. Well, I think it's obvious what they're trying to do. I think I think they're trying to I think they're saying to themselves, hey, look, Amazon's spending, you know, like a few billion dollars, you know, hyping up Lord of the Rings. How can we ride that? (laughs) How can we ride that and make some money ourselves? Well, let's not make a full feature live action. Let's just do something animated. So that way, you know, we don't have to spend as much money because obviously doing live action is a lot of money. But if we do it you know, animated, we can, we can make this work. They're still putting in a huge chunk of money, but they saw how people were excited for another Lord of the Rings Uh, anything. And HBO's like, hey, we'll, we'll have this to go against it. Yeah, it's HBO. New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers. Well, Mm -hmm. Warner Brothers is HBO Max. What? Anything Warner Brothers is coming out on HBO. So that's why Uh, whenever I see Warner Brothers, I see HBO. Okay, okay. You know, I I like where you're going with that, but the uh, (laughs) the thing is, the other misgiving I have about this is animated. I mean, Star Wars makes that makes that transition easily. Uh, Marvel makes that transition not nearly as easily. The universes are very very disconnected. when it comes to J.R.R. Tolkien stuff, we've made a trans. We made a transition from the old, uh, six, uh, the old sixties and seventies British uh, BBC cartoons to the uh, Peter Jackson's uh, sets of trilogies, well, yeah, they- and to the Amazon's uh, new uh, series that they're coming out with. If we're going to throw an animated film in there, they have to be very careful about what they do with that. Because it could uh, it could have a negative impact on the franchise, and it could have a it could end up bombing because people are expecting one th- something uh, very. They're expecting Tolkien. Yeah. And well, if they do, if it isn't delivered as Peter Jackson's Tolkien, people are going to be disappointed, whether or not that's the way it's supposed to be. Well, let's compare this to the animated Hobbit, and then your expectations will be blown away. <laughs> hey, the animated Hobbit was amazing, and you take that back, Austin. <laughs> so, one of my problems with the Lord of the Rings, what they're doing, is it's not under one roof, first of all. So that yes. means that the quality between Lord of the Rings stuff is going to be a wide variety. We'll see what we get. Yeah. And then the second part is, as you were saying, there's no one hand guiding. And mm-hmm. so we saw what happened to Star Wars when one hand was, when there was no 
one hand guy no or, or the dc cinematic universe yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah all right we still got a lot more so i'm gonna move us along <laughs> moving Lu- right along lucasfilm star wars and or tv series is bringing back both ben Mendelssohn as director krennic and forrest whitaker as saw guerrera so according to a new report from the direct both ben Mendelssohn and forrest whitaker are set to reprise their Rogue One roles as director Orson Krennic and Saw Gerrera in Lucasfilm's Star Wars spinoff series, Star Wars Andor. With the series set five years before the events of Rogue One, it would make sense to see both Krennic and Saw again. Obviously, it's great news, but we just don't know how big of a role they might play. The series stars Diego Luna as Cassie and Andor, and it will tell his story leading up to the events of Rogue One. The rest of the cast of the series include Genevieve O'Reilly, who will prize her role as Mon Mothma, and Jimmy Smits and Alistair Petir, who also are in talks to reprise their roles as Bail Organa and General Draven. You know, it's so funny because, like, Rogue One, like, I just, the last half of Rogue One, I really enjoyed everything else in it. Everything before that was kind of like, no, okay. The more, like, we get news about this and the more excited I get. And like right now I'm reading the Thrawn trilogy books by Timothy Zahn. And I'm on the third one, which is kind of like dealing with direct credit. And so I'm like really excited about this, like even oh, more. Cool. Like how it leads up to Rogue One. I think that's really cool. So director Krennickson is in the uh, third Thrawn book? Yeah, he is. So, so um, do you want me to go into details on that or save that? Nah, for nah, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> I'll just say this. Like, the Thrawn trilogy book by Timothy Zahn, highly recommended. It's so good. Anything by Timothy Zahn. Yeah. I know. Like, this is the first time we're reading anything by Timothy Zahn. But we're digressing. But this is, like, I'm I'm excited. And especially, like, I, I kind of like Saw Gerrera, too, because he's kind of like a righteous joker in a way. <laughs> he, like, has more purpose he's like i'm gonna take down these bad guys but he does it in like a very chaotic way that would make the joker proud so, <laughs> i'm like yeah give us more saw because i just like his he's like he's like literally chaotic good <laughs> and i like that i'm just glad we're getting more out of the characters from rogue one yeah. because they've developed such amazing characters yeah and so i'm excited that we get to see more yeah absolutely yeah. all right moving on the book of boba fett will apparently show what Boba Fett has been up to since The Empire Strikes Back. When the series was initially announced, it was revealed that Tamara Morrison and Ming-Na Wen would would be back to reprise their roles, as well as have the creative team comprised of John Favreau, Dave Filoni, and Robert Rodriguez. The only story details revealed were that it would be set within the timeline of The Mandalorian. Well, now we're hearing from Tamara Morrison that the series will also explore where the bounty hunter has been since the empire strikes back he says tamara morrison says in an interview quote well we can't say too much but we're going to see his past and where he's been since the empire strikes back somebody pointed out he's been kind of stuck in this one place and now the time to actually go back in time and check out his journey and find out more about him that was the advantage for me was that we hadn't seen him do much and along with Robert Rodriguez as director, we were able to sort of introduce him in a dynamic way, bring him back in a dynamic way alongside the Mandalorian. It was just an honor to be asked back, end quote. 
There's also been rumors that the book of Boba Fett contains a list of names that have wronged or crossed Fett over the years, and that he's going to go after them, hunt them down, and this series is going to be a Boba Fett revenge story. (laughs) But again, take this as rumors only, but I got to admit, it's a pretty cool idea. Star Wars, the book of Boba Fett is expected to land on Disney Plus this December. What do you think, Bob? I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm pretty sure that uh, <laughs> they're going to mention him being stuck in a Sarlacc pit for a little bit. But oh, I don't yeah. think it'll be for very long. I want to know how he gets out of that. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm guessing it has something to do with uh, you know tickling the uvula of the Sarlacc. <laughs> I've, uh, you know, I've, I've got a theory. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if Ming Na Wen's character Fennec Shan, Shan, Shan? Fennec I Shan, so. I can't remember her name. Anyways, Fennec. I have a feeling that maybe Fennec saves him from the Sarlacc or has something to do with it, and maybe that's why Boba Fett shows up to save her when she's in trouble at the uh, end of season one. Like they've got like this, like you know, you owe me one type of thing going on. Right. So, anyways, but what do you think of that idea of uh, the book of Boba Fett being like a revenge hit list? Oh, I don't man. see Boba Fett being a hit list kind of guy. Oh, I do. Uh, oh, no, yeah. no, I think Boba's too smart for that kind of garbage. I think he's going to, um, I think it's going to be more of, uh, more of the, the title is more about the story of Boba. Yeah. Well, one thing I think about is I think about all of the lost potential they had of of Darth Maul running um, a gangster organization. Yeah. And I wonder if they're going to use some of the materials they developed for that for Boba running a gangster organization. Yeah. Like he kind of I mean, they didn't like, lose the uh, they didn't lose the potential. They still have that cameo at the very end of spoilers. <laughs> solo. The problem is the solo underperforms. So they might not do anything with it. What's that? Solo underperformed, so they might not do anything with. No, they're, I don't. They're, they're, they'll do something. Dark Maul's too big of a character. He is. He is. He's came up in Clone Wars. He's come up in Rebels. He's come up in like. Two movies so far. <laughs> I have no doubt that he will come back. It's just a matter of whether or not they're going to bring him, uh, bring Solo back. Maybe he'll come back up um, fighting Boba Fett or something. I think Darth Maul will come back from the dead. <laughs> All I'm right, really distracted by my net. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. The first video tease of. Netflix The Witcher Season 2 has been released. Netflix shared our first video look at the second season of The Witcher, Season 2, of uh, which will pick up with Geralt taking Princess Carilla. Is that her? I can't remember her name. Cirilla. I don't know. Carilla. Cirilla. To his childhood home of Care Morhen. Oh, my word. This is going to be one of those articles. <laughs> Where I can't pronounce anything. I can relax. <laughs> Anyways, where he will task himself to protect Siri from the mysterious power she possesses within while the continents, kings, elves, humans, and demons strive for supremacy outside the walls of the castle located within the kingdom of 
K to win. Yes. Anyways, filming for season two wrapped up in April after production was paused for more than a year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Ahead of the second season, the show announced new cast additions for the upcoming season, including Chris Olton in the role of Renice, who is a major antagonist in the Witcher books, which obviously the show is based on. Alongside the live-action Witcher show, Netflix is also working on two other Witcher TV series. <coughs> Excuse me. The first is called The Witcher Blood Origin, a six-part spin-off sequel set 1,200 years before Geralt so of Rivera. Not a sequel, but a prequel. Yes. Uh, before you roam the fictional land. The second new show is called The Witcher uh, Nightmare of the Wolf, which will be an anime film focusing on Geralt's close friend and mentor, Vismir. The second season of The Witcher has yet to receive a release date. But let's take a uh, quick listen and talk about the uh, video tease afterwards. Here we go. I need to understand something. Danger. And that's it. Short so, video tease. The fun part for me is that the audio was not working when I was trying to watch the, the clip. So now I finally got the audio for okay, it. So what do, you, what do you think of it? Um, I'm glad that they're not giving much. Um, it's just showing me that, hey, it's coming up, and they're not really giving anything away. And we'll talk more about my complaints about things giving stuff away too much. Because <laughs> we've had so many trailers that they, um, they've put out over the past year to keep people interested in certain franchises during the pandemic, even though nothing was coming out, that they've been giving away too much, I think. So I'm excited that it was very little, very minimal. Yeah. And I'm only sad there was no guest gear in it. <laughs> I did get knocked. I, I did get hit for my singing. <laughs> Every time we mention The Witcher, you got to sing. Talks so according to your Witcher. Which I can understand the first time. But after the after the eighteenth, nineteenth, and twentieth time, well, you should be. Hey, doing Allison, can you please really tell us about the mountain? <laughs> yes, can you please tell us well, about the mountain, Captain Kirk? No, seriously, what, <laughs> what like, did he do? To the Captain Kirk was climbing a mountain. Stuff. <laughs> you know what, Bob? That's a very fair point. So I will shut up and move <laughs> on. <laughs> the first trailer for the new Masters of the Universe TV show helmed by Kevin Smith, has been released. That's right. Netflix has unleashed the first trailer, uh, teaser trailer for Kevin Smith's Master of the Universe Revelation. And holy awesomeness, this series looks freaking amazing, in my opinion. Anyone who grew up watching the classic 80s series He-Man and the Master of the Universe is going to love this. The new series picks up where the original classic characters left off decades ago after a uh, cataclysmic battle between He-Man and Skeletor, Eternia is fractured and the guardians of Skull are scattered. And after decades of secrets tore them apart, it's up to Tila to reunite the broken bands of heroes and solve the mysteries of the missing sword of power in a race against time to restore turning and prevent the end of the universe. So let's take a quick listen to the trailer. It's got 80s massive vibes all over it. And as always, the, uh, the links to these trailers are in the show notes. So let's take a listen to this real quick. Time after time, you try to take this castle. But you will never succeed, Skeletor. Call your champion. My hero! 
was very entertaining. Uh, at least Bob danced with you, honey. At in, least Bob danced with you. In addition to this trailer, Netflix released a six-minute interview of Kevin Smith talking about the upcoming series. But I've got a small clip of the best parts of that interview in which Kevin Smith talks about the vibe of this show compared to the original TV series. Let's take a quick listen to that and talk about it afterwards. Our version of Masters of the Universe uh, Revelation was meant to address all the characters and storylines from the old show um, and bring it into the present so that if you were a kid back then, you know, every day after school, watching the cartoon, it's almost like this is a continuation of that cartoon. We pick up kind of spiritually where He-Man and the Masters of the Universe left off. Like, so at the beginning of our first episode, it plays for the first 10 minutes like, you know, a, a slightly or way better animated version of the old show. It's very simple. Uh, we establish the relationships and, and it's very uh, warm and, and young feeling. And then about halfway through the show, we, we turn everything. Something happens. And we kind of grow it up. And starting where we start by teeing off from the old show, just picking up where they left off, gives it more dramatic thrust because these were characters that were just bathed in innocence. And in our story, that innocence gets lost along the way. I'm All right, Masters of the Universe Revelation is set to be released in two parts. This first part will have five episodes and it debuts July 23rd, 2021. So I will try to nerd out with this with you, but I think you're way more, way beyond more excited about this than I am, Austin. I want the listeners to know that Austin and Bob were totally dancing along. And like, <laughs> oh, it was the trailer. Music. It was very fun I to swear. watch. <laughs> they were way so. more interesting to watch than the actual trailer. No way, that trailer was awesome. <laughs> I mean, that, that trailer was, I mean, So it, it looks awesome. good. My siblings were way more into Masters of the Universe than I was. It was kind of before my time. And I know it's way before Jekka's time. Yeah, I'm like, so, He-Man is something that, like, I know nothing about, <laughs> except for the few gifts that my coworkers like to throw out there. <laughs> it so, looks like it's taking a lot of key... Um, it's taking the original aesthetic and uh, taking a lot of cues from anime. And it reminds yeah. me, uh, I mean, a lot of the battle sequences in there remind me a lot of uh, Gundam Wing and Escaflone. Okay. Um, just yeah, it's pretty just the, way they're, the way they're sliding around, the way the explosions look, it just, that's what it reminds me of. So. All I remember of the original Master of the Universe is I really liked the Green Tiger. <laughs> That's what I really enjoyed. When he was the a scaredy tiger. cat or when he was uh, transformed? I, I, I had the toy. <laughs> and that's what I remember is the toy. Yeah, I had a I had a castle gray skull growing up. It was pretty cool. So anyways, I look forward to this. I think it's gonna be awesome, but I think it's time to talk some Loki. We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park. And that bell means it is time for our main event. Loki begins now. Oh, 
I know what this place is. The timekeepers have built quite the circus. And I see the clowns are playing their parts to perfection. Big metaphor guy. I love it. Makes you sound super smart. I am smart. I know. Okay. Okay. Please sign to verify this is everything you've ever said. This is absurd. Sign this too. We protect the proper flow of time. You picked up the Tesseract breaking reality. I want you to help us fix it. Why me? I need your unique Loki perspective. Do I get a weapon? Nah. You really believe in this Loki variant? Luckily, he believes in himself enough for the both of us. Why? It is adorable that you think you could possibly manipulate me I'm 10 steps ahead of you you're not big on trust are you you can trust me hope you have studied almost every moment of your entire life you've literally stabbed people in the back like 50 times <laughs> I never do it again <laughs> special shout out to all you super nerds who have hit that podcast subscribe button we really really appreciate you please help us get the word out please tell a friend about the podcast and i want to invite you to hit that podcast subscribe button if you've not done so already come on do it you'll get plus 10 nerd xp nerd xp all right guys what do you think of loki so i'm gonna just jump in because i was talking about my problems with too much trailers and too much information. And Loki is one of those that I felt like I kept getting way more in the trailers than I needed. And so the first episode just felt like an expanded trailer. Yeah, it really did. I felt like I already knew what was going on because of the trailer. You know, the only, um, I don't know, do we want to avoid spoilers or just jump right in? Ah, we'll jump right in. No. Okay. Spoiler warning. There you go. There you go. Spoiler warning. So I feel like the only two things that they kind of, that were new information to me, so to speak, was the, the whole psychological breakdown of like, why, like, or sorry, I guess it's three things. So like the whole, like, why does Loki do what he does? Um, that the problem that the TVA is having with this um, variant running amok and killing their people and the infinity stones part. Um, I have to say my, I'll just say right off the bat, my favorite scene was when Loki finds the desk drawer full of infinity stones. And he's just like, wait, these are infinity stones. And the guy's like, Oh yeah, we have tons of them lying around. We use them as paperweight. <laughs> Do you want one? 
And like, yeah. that's kind of what like makes Loki realize that this is real. I, I really like that. Yeah. That scene yeah, it was, pretty was like my favorite scene. Like I thought that was just so funny. There's a lot of people online that are, uh, they're specifically calling that out and saying that that essentially renders the uh, Infinity Stones moot from this point forward. Yeah. And, well, I, I get it. The Infinity Stones only work within their universe, outside of their, outside of their universe, aka multiverse type of talk here. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, another use another universe's infinity stones don't work in that universe so i guess if yeah, that of, was established in yeah. a uh, dc versus or in a uh, marvel true, versus true. dc comic but, also. but what i'm trying to say is if um if they're outside of time it might apply in that situation where these infinity stones yeah they're just paperweights at that point really pretty ones but <laughs> <laughs> so uh burn brady burn is obviously not with us but he sent me a text with kind of his thoughts on everything he said um i freaking loved it at the beginning i wasn't certain how i was going to uh, how i was going to take it but by the time the opening credits were rolling i was all in since this takes place right after the battle in new york the way that they wove the other timelines in on that projector was genius also when he found a drawer full of infinity stones you could just see everything sink in when you talk about that nerd out feeling of euphoria after watching a movie and feeling the magic as it wraps up, this this is my new standard. It was just that. By the way, Owen Wilson is a perfect choice for his role. And the nonchalant he displays is not only comedy gold, but perfectly reflects that everyone can harbor a little disdain for their own reality, no matter how fantastic that might be. Uh, Marvel once again knocks it out of the park with casting and Eugene Cor- uh, Cordero as Casey uh, is a bright spot in an already shining opening episode. Favorite line? What's a fish? See you next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that fish? whole scene was so funny. Like, I'll get you like a fish. Oh, okay, what's a fish? He's like, a fish. And he's like, well, what is it? Like, I want to know what you're threatening with so I can understand. Like, he's like, I want to understand why I should be scared. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> that scene was, that was funny. That, that interchange was funny. So one of the things I am excited about is I really think that they pulled all of their trailer material from the first episode. And yeah. I'm glad they Most did. I am glad about I that. really am glad they did that. Um, a lot of these uh, shows that they're doing, um, WandaVision, one of the, it had that problem that uh, you brought up a couple of times now that if you watch any of the um, previews for that, it's pulled from the entire series. And it's actually kind of irritating. Yeah. Just because you know what, you know what's coming. You just want, you're waiting for the shoe to drop. I want to be, I want to be startled. I want to be, uh, you know, surprised. Mm-hmm. But I'm not getting that with all of these uh, trailers that they're putting out. It's making me almost not want to watch trailers. Well, almost. The, the biggest surprise in this episode was that the variant that Loki is hunting is himself. Like yeah. they, didn't, they didn't, they didn't hint towards that in any of the trailers. Um, and so, so I guess this is going to be a multiverse version of Loki that he's hunting down. I'm assuming. So. I am also glad, though, that they gave us context for the jumping out of the plane scene, because that was also fun. 
yes. the trailer. Yeah. yeah, from the trailer. Yeah, apparently that's a, a real crime that's uh, unsolved by the FBI today. Oh, yeah, D.B. Cooper? Yeah, I never oh, knew absolutely. about that. It's, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of theories about that, but it's, an, it's a fascinating story. If any of you uh, do get a chance to look it up, Look up uh, the FBI's official story on it. Oh, there's a lot of fan fiction. There's a lot of um, supposition yeah. out there. Just look up the actual facts of the case. And even the f- actual facts of the case read like something out of a uh, crime novel. What you're saying, there was a guy that really like robbed oh, yeah. the plane yeah. and jumped off the plane with money. Yeah, exactly like it showed in the uh, show. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm not exactly. Look at that. Yeah, jump, jumped out with like a parachute important. or something. I Great. love how they made it. Uh, Thor, uh, made it Thor's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Loki will funny. never take responsibility for anything, <laughs> and that's what makes him such a great character. <laughs> I think this will uh, this this will develop him as a character significantly, though. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so the the episode opens up with yeah the Avengers scene, and I'm trying to remember because it's been a little while since I've seen uh, was it Avengers Endgame or no that was in Infinity War. It's, it's in Infinity War that we yeah. see that whole clip. So that clip that it opens up with is from Infinity War. And and um, and yeah. in Infinity War, do we actually see Loki disappear like that in smoke? Yes. yes. Oh, we yeah. do. Okay, okay. Because the tesseract gets knocked out of the case, and it goes right next to him, and he looks around, and he picks it up and grabs it and disappears. Yes. So, do you think they always had this Loki storyline in mind when when they were making this uh, making Infinity Wars back then? I, you know, I think so. I feel I want to say yes, just because of like how smoothly this this first episode seems to be like going off branching off of it and it kind of a part of me too wonders if it's like they're even gonna bring it back so this is kind of how um kevin feige's complaining that people are looking for these easter eggs in the movies about like what's coming next instead of enjoying the art for what it is and just knowing things are going to connect in the future and i love how you couldn't really you knew they were gonna do something with loki when he grabs the Tesseract and disappears, but you couldn't tell what it would be because of the way they did it. Yeah. So, so is it really Loki's fault or is it Iron Man's fault that this whole situation has come about? Or maybe it's Hulk's fault. For I think he made a good point when he said that uh, you should you shouldn't be uh, attacking me. Uh, attacking me for this, you, the, the Avengers are the ones who are hopping the time. <laughs> right? And then he gets, yeah. immediately gets smacked down for that. He's like, oh, the Avengers supposed to, are supposed to do that. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Yeah, yeah I felt that was a cop-out. I was like, no. It's totally Captain America's fault. No, it was Iron Man. Iron Man had the, uh, had the thing, right? Iron Man didn't go back in time, though. It was Captain America going back in time at that point. No, it? it was Iron so Man it was who. Captain America and Iron Man, yeah. they were working together. Oh, okay. Iron Man was the one Iron walking was, away. Yeah, because Iron Man. And then Hulk. Iron Man was disguised in a suit, like yeah. one of yeah. the security guards. Captain America was himself, and then they had Ant Man as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, 
Yeah. Uh, Owen Wilson was spectacular in this. Oh, I, yeah. he, he he is so laid back compared to Loki. I mean, Loki's oh, like Loki's yeah. kind of a ball of uh, energy. He's like got like a uh, short man syndrome, trying to prove himself <laughs> all the time. And Loki's or uh, and and uh, Owen Wilson's just like, all right, man, like I can see you through your short man syndrome. <laughs> Let's talk about this. I, I love this um, Loki. I don't like to talk, and Owen Wilson's is like. That's a lie. Uh, you know, I love it that he just calls him out. He's like, no, that's a lie. And then Loki starts talking. He's like, I thought you said you don't like to talk. <laughs> that you don't talk. Yeah. I, anytime I see a movie or like a TV show and like Owen Wilson's in it, I'm just like, yes. Like, I have not been disappointed by any of his movies, including like the, you know, the sequel to Shanghai Noon. Like that one was just weird overall, but I still like, I was like, it's got Owen Wilson. It's great. What show? Shanghai Noon. This week was Shanghai Noon. I think uh, Shanghai Nights. Dude. I, don't, I haven't seen it in a long time. I've only seen it once because I was like, yeah, that was okay. But, you know, Jack and Wilson is great. You're right. He likes to talk. And that that stack of papers were way oh, too was, small. That, oh, my God. It's a big yes. complaint I have. And. It was too small. And who's who's printing on an 80s dot matrix printer? Like well, what? if you look at if you look at all the technology in that show, it's it's all over the place. They got some teleporter things. They got dot matrix printers. They got uh, uh, they got Infrared. these weird seventies looking uh, TVs yeah. TVs, but they got freaking walls that turn into uh, screens of some sort. It makes it even more funny when. Um... Owen Wilson's character when Loki's like, I'm going to destroy this whole place. He's like, please do. Lock <laughs> <laughs> like the decoration. All right, so check us out. Kevin Feige had the following quote about this TV show. Quote, Loki is by far the biggest Disney Plus show that's going to have a huge impact on the MCU moving forward. Loki will be crazier than WandaVision. And the audience are going to have a pure cinematic experience, end quote. So where do you think this show is going to take the MCU? I think Loki should become one of the three people that decide what is the pure timeline. Oh, (laughs) man. That would be crazy. That would be spectacular. (laughs) Maybe that's what's going on with his, like, other multiverse self. Maybe that's what he's trying to do is take it down so that he can be the one that decides everything. Like make his universe Ooh. the main one. What if it that's maybe he gets rid of the um, the whole multiverse altogether. Or not the multiverse but the TVA so it just opens up the multiverse. Thus yeah. opening the door for multiverse of madness, the Spider Man, uh, oh, maybe you know, all of the shows. Yeah, because so because so far all of these shows I mean, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I don't, I feel like that was leading more into Captain America 4, which lead more into that Doctor Strange movie, but like, WandaVision's leading more towards this multiverse of madness, and then this one right off the bat, I was like, ooh, I feel like this is going to like really play into that, and like really set the stage for the, yeah, like what you said, Bob, the Spider-Man and the Doctor Strange movies coming up. What do you think is going to happen at the end of this, though? I mean, because Loki died in Endgame. Do you think uh, – and, and he sees his own death. There's, There's got to be something to this. If he's seeing his own death, then do you think Loki 
is somehow faking it again. Or maybe he sends his multiverse self there instead of himself. <laughs> so I think it, it gives him a perspective on his mortality and that he dies. And for a god, that's like impactful. And mm -hmm. he's right now processing it. I think by the end, he's going to be figuring out how to weasel himself out of that death. Yeah, I almost feel to. like he was way more impacted by his mother's death and yeah. his role in that than he was in the possibility of his death. I feel like him watching his own death was more of like, because I felt, and this was something I will admit, I'm not sure how I feel about it because I like, like, I, I'm hoping that this Loki TV show will help bridge the gap between the mischievous, villainous Loki and the Loki we see who, like, becomes a best friend again to Thor and is, like, working with him and helping him and actually is, like, a good guy like, he kind of redeems himself. So I'm hoping that this will kind of show that, like, a bridge of that a bit more. Because, like, I felt like I was starting to see that when he's, like, watching his life, how he sees, like, his own actions lead to his mother's death. Um, you know, he kind of pretends to be Odin and then like everything that happens in um, Thor Ragnarok and then like his own death. And like, I, I got the feeling that he was seeing how he kind of like turned and became more of a hero than the mischievous villain he always was. Yeah. So I'm kind of yeah. like, I, I'm like, I'm, a part of me really hopes that we'll see more of that bridge gap because that's the kind of like character development I really like to see. It's like, and, and like, and trying to make a villain into a hero kind of person, that's very delicate work in my opinion. Like, you can't, like, for example, I, I always, like, refer to Megamind, the TV show Megamind by, or not TV show, sorry, the movie Megamind by DreamWorks, because that was a really great villain-to-hero story, in my opinion. Despicable Me, I felt like, not so well. Despicable Me um, was just to introduce minions to the world, and <laughs> yeah. that was the entire point of Despicable Me. That was its own same, thing. same thing with uh, Madagascar and the penguins. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Those penguins are everything <laughs> to me. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> carry the movie. <laughs> Yo, yeah, absolutely. All the, both the movies. Like, I, I think there's a third one, but I've only seen, yeah. like, Madagascar 1 and Madagascar 2. All three 2, movies. Like, Isn't there, like, I only a, watched them for the penguins. Is the penguins yeah. the fourth movie, or is there another fourth movie? All right. The penguins yeah. is the fourth movie. Okay. Well, that's distracting us from what we're really talking about. Yeah, though. yeah. Penguins? <laughs> yes, we are talking about penguins now. What do you think? <laughs> penguins could be Loki's favorite animal. Or a brought-back yeah, full, a brought back full circle. <laughs> So, so who do you, who's the dude in the hood? Is that is that Loki that the other Loki? I think that's bad Loki. Yeah, is it bad Loki that the, the Loki is trying to hunt down? I'm assuming it is. See, and I'm just like, part of me is like, I mean, they call out Loki so fast that I'm like, what if it's not Loki and they think it's Loki? What if it's Thor? Where they're manipulating what if it's him? A that's going to piss him off. Yeah. Well, they're, they're saying it's a variant of Loki. It's yeah, that's what they're saying. But but look, look, at the very beginning, they also pointed to, uh, it looked like Mephisto going that Ooh. direction again. Remember? And the stained glass, the, the little kid that Owen yeah, was watching. Yeah, but Mephisto is the variant. And I could see someone confusing him with the devil with those horns, that yeah, horn helmet. Maybe. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming it's Loki in the hood. I mean, they're kind of setting it up to be that. But why wouldn't they just show us? Because There's they, be something they more wanted to it. it to impact, be impactful at the end of the episode where they say, we're hunting a variant of you. Well, no, and I, I need your help to take down you. Yeah, but why would Loki be wearing a hood, though? Like, we've never seen that before. It's like, he's, is, he, is he somehow... Miss, uh, you know, Miss well, why did, uh... See, and that's why I'm not completely sure it is Loki. Like, I feel like maybe they think it's Loki. I mean, and I, I understand that because, like, they're having a hard time even like catching him or anticipating his movement. Like, he's he's three steps ahead of them, and they're scrambling to like figure, like, just figure out what he's doing. My like, problem with going. what all of you guys are saying is, I think you're overthinking the problem. <laughs> Well, what is it? It's just Loki? It's just Loki. No, it's It's just Loki. Loki. No, it's not just Loki. It's not just Loki. It's got to be like horribly misfigured. It's got to be like horribly misfigured and scarred Loki from some other multiverse or something. Because Loki never walks around a hood. And if it's not Loki, maybe it's Mephisto who's shape-shifting himself to look like Loki. What if it's Loki... Who was never taken by Odin and raised by Odin? The blue oh, gum. Uh, the blue gum. Yeah. The, the blue, blue gum. gum. Is that what, what if he was raised by raised normally, no interference by um, Asgardians? So he gave blue gum to that kid in medieval times. Yeah, you could see the blue on their teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, because it was blue gum. Wait, 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 I'm trying to remember this. The the dark hooded figure gave blue gum to the little kid? Yeah. Yeah, because that dark hooded figure is Loki. And is Loki's turning natural into, color is blue. Is he turning yeah, everybody into dark elf? Giant. Is that what you're saying? He's not a dark elf. He's a uh, yeah, ice, ice giant. Ice yeah, giant. Yeah, yes, yes, giant. yes. Thank you for correcting me. So, yeah. so you think, huh, interesting. So, so what's the purpose of the blue gum then? Just uh, to have a calling card? I, I think it was a calling card specifically to it's Owen Wilson's character. Yeah. I feel like it's just taunting them. And like, got your guys again. And it totally messes with the timeline because gum does not belong in the Middle Ages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gum totally ancient, hundreds of year old gum does not belong under a pew of a medieval church. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. That and that's where it would end up too. You know it's true. <laughs> How many episodes is Loki? Did anybody know? Ooh, let me I don't know. I was actually just thinking that. Let me look it up real quick. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna look it up too. <laughs> so because because that will kind of influence, you know, the where this story goes. That's true. Um, IMDB is saying six episodes. So okay. I, I um, do have released every Wednesday. I, I do have to say July it, it's kind of been funny to watch. Uh, it was kind of funny watching Austin uh, watch Loki. Cause he kept going, this is like, Oh, um, the music, the, um, uh, I'm trying to clockwork, the clockwork orange. orange. Yeah. The music to Loki is very similar to Clockwork Orange music. And if you haven't seen Clockwork Orange, that wouldn't make sense. But if you have, it's like, it's almost like a one for one. Like the music sounds so similar. And it makes sense. 
uh, and it's pretty exciting to think of, of a Clockwork Orange being uh, an influence on Loki because uh, Clockwork Orange is one of Stanley Kubrick's greatest movies. You know, he made 2001 A Space Odyssey and, and all that stuff. And uh, Clockwork Orange is such a, a crazy, awesome movie. And Loki would fit in that movie so perfectly. Like I could see Loki running around in Clockwork Orange doing the weird things that they do in that movie. So it will be fun. Did you guys have a favorite scene? Mine was the one with the infinity stones and he like realizes that he, you know, everything was not how he thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. Pop, do you have a favorite? Um, I gotta say the scene where he slaps the collar on uh, oh, yeah. on that person and he just keeps flipping him back. Yes. Oh, can I say I really liked that concept of like restraining a prisoner, like just rewinding them to the last spot they were. I thought that was such a cool idea. Oh, and, like, yeah. and, you know, when like Loki gets up just to pace around, like we, you know, when you're frustrated, you're like, you just have to stand up and move around. And Owen Wilson's character freaks out and sends him back into his chair. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, what were what you doing? He's like, I just needed to walk around. And he was like, oh, okay, come on. Have you guys seen those uh, those memes of people saying that uh, Agent Carter was in the background and arrested by the, the TVA? Have you seen that? Uh-uh. Maybe she was a uh, variant. I, I need to go back and watch this now. <laughs> well, like, I mean, you could, like, it's not, like, super... It's just like something that's in the background. It's a woman with short brown hair. I'm so hoping that's Agent Carter. Right there, Jack. I'm showing huh. it to you. I can see that, yeah. I'm gonna have any, I, I meant to rewatch it before our podcast, but I, I do want to rewatch it. They are going to be doing an Agent Carter um, short clip where <clears throat> what if she had gotten the serum instead of Steve Rogers? Well, I thought that was the whole what if thing. The what yeah, if it's the what if. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's a short. It's going to be a short. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so this is kind of like playing on that if like they get it. I, I, I'm kind of wondering because that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Another way to like tie it into that. Right? Like one storyline. Yeah, the what ifs. Yeah. Yeah, when are those coming out? I'm, I'm like, I'm, in, I'm curious about those. <laughs> so, um... The writer for Loki uh, has, is apparently encouraging viewers to pay very close attention to future episodes because there may well be more connections to Doctor Strange 2 before the end of the series. He says, quote, I think everybody will have a better idea of that when on the other end of it, end quote. Uh, I'll just say that our charge and the goal from the beginning was telling a complete thrilling story that can stand alone, and by the end of it, we'll see what we blew the lid off of. (laughs) But to quote Amanda, hopefully they don't give away too much, because I want to be pleasantly surprised in Doctor Strange. Oh, absolutely. I'm not even going to watch it. It's that one and Spider-Man. I think I've got... I'm going to go ahead and forgo all trailers yeah so even yeah, if they're in the homework i'm just gonna think 
Good luck with the podcast, though. I keep up with these things. He, he's like just going to stick his he's just going to take his headphones off, stick his fingers in it, and go la 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 la. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now. So uh, yeah, obviously Loki is going to be setting up whatever's happening in Doctor Strange too, and then uh, and then we'll see how WandaVision plays into Doctor Strange too. But yeah, I, I think I like your theory. I think it was you, Amanda, who said that uh, you know Loki uh, is going to blow apart the time, the TVA, and uh, the multiverse is going to go crazy at that point. Woo! Loki. Well, I, I think he's trying to recreate the multiverse war and then bring it back I together just, under him. Yeah. I just had a brilliant idea. So um King is supposed to be the uh the Ant-Man and the Wasp villain for uh Ant-Man and the Wasp Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. So what I'm thinking is gonna happen, and bear with me here. Loki is going to actually corrupt Kang while he's in the TVA, but he's not gonna, uh, he's, it's gonna be on accident. Mm. So, and it's going to happen near the end of uh, the last episode. All of a sudden, uh, he's gonna have screwed everything up, and then Kang's gonna become corrupted as a result of it. Ooh, that's why, why would Loki corrupt him? Because Loki does stupid things and doesn't think things through. Okay. Yeah, um, and and we already know that he's like kind of on the fence with the whole TPA already. Like he's not a big mm-hmm. fan of him. So I I am wondering if when they get all the multiverses back into one universe, if they're going to be bringing in the X Men that way and the mutants. That'll be interesting. I'd be up for that. Me too. I'm like I'm up for X Men in any way, shape, or form. I'm just keeping watching, going ah, mutants, mutants, mutants. <laughs> yeah. You know, it might be a few well, years. Well, they are. <laughs> well, yeah, it's going to be a few years. They're working on building it out. They already have their current what they're doing, and they already had Phase Four planned out when the Fox deal went through. And so I think Phase Four is uh, they they maybe added some things to get mutants in to Phase Five. But phase five is when they're going to build the mutants in. Ooh, I wonder if the MCU would like dramatically shift from an Avengers focused MCU to an X Men focused MCU. They might be uh, planning on doing that. That would be pretty Just, interesting. If they did, I'd be way more invested in them than I am right well, now. Well, <laughs> I mean, I. Uh, right now, Star Wars has my grasp or has my attention. I mean, and, and properly so. And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think uh, uh, you know after you know after like what twelve to fifteen years of Avengers focused MCU, you can still have the Avengers in there, obviously. But but it might be time to f- focus people on mutants wholeheartedly. That'd well, be interesting. I could see them keeping the Avengers going and just adding X Men movies. Well, you know that's what I'm saying. But, but but I'm saying the big the biggest focus would be. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm actually kind of sad about that or about the prospect of adding in the uh, X Men into the universe. I thought it was what? great that we had a universe without X Men. Hear me out, Austin. <laughs> the thing is, when you have all these mutants and you have where people can just be born as a mutant, 
um, you it starts to dilute the number of people who are actually superpowered. And all of a sudden, it, you're going to have a whole ton of people who are superpowered. It's going to be a lot harder to acknowledge that. Right now, uh, right now you have the Avengers. Uh, arguably, you have the Netflix series um, for the Defenders. You also um, you also have a, a number of tertiary characters as well, a number of villains. But for the most part, your villains uh, are taken care of at the end of each movie. Your uh, stories are relatively self-contained, and there's not a whole bunch of characters running around, running amok, scaring the crap out of everybody. You throw Wolverine and the X-Men into the mix. All of a sudden, you have guys with literal metal claws coming out of their hands. Guys with eyes, uh, their eyes blasting. Yeah! Cyclops! Blasting <laughs> stuff. Eyes. He is the lamest uh, mutant, by the way. <laughs> um, you have... You have nah. There is so much more. Jubilee fireworks. So- I'm hey! Gonna- She's no, useful. No. He can't even open his eyes. Dude, he can open his eyes. Give me a break. I'd rather so, shoot lasers out of my eyes than fireworks out of my fingers. Dude, <laughs> that is way more awesome than laser eyes. <laughs> I have laser eyes. Yeah, well, they weren't lasers. Or they were optical blasts from another dimension. Gosh. So, in any case, the point that I'm trying to make is that um, it dil- it dilutes the uh, it dilutes the pool and it cheapens the uh, movies that are already out there and it cheapens every hero that you add cheapens every other hero just by existing. Well, uh, the problem we have is that the MCU is stepping up power games. Mm-hmm. Every phase, it is a step up of power. So we have Infinity Stones are paperweights at this point. After <laughs> phase three, and you're like, what? So well, what's the MacGuffin now? Yeah, what is going to be the big power now? We need bigger power from our heroes to fight the bigger power from their enemies. Because their enemies are stepping up in power. And we saw that with WandaVision. We saw that she's getting so powerful that she can actually like create realities and run them and control people yeah. in a reality kind of thing and make them act pretty much. So, yeah. yeah, I hope they make Wanda a true villain and that'd be a lot of fun to watch. So, anyways, a fall from grace story. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, fun. like the path there that seems like they're putting her on, I'm like, this is pretty cool. Loki can show her the way. Yes, <laughs> but, Loki and uh, and Scarlet Witch. That'd be that'd be a formidable team. I, I'm excited oh, yeah. to see where they take Loki, and I'm excited to talk about Loki at the end of the series. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm excited yeah. to see episode two since, as you pointed out, Amanda, like the trailer is practically episode one. Yeah, so it's just like, oh, where do we go from here? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, there really was only like four things that kind of were new information to me, but everything else, I was like, oh, I saw that in the trailer, kind of. Yeah. yeah. All right, any other last thoughts on Loki before we wrap up tonight? Besides telling people, you should watch it! It's cool. Uh, as always, Tom Hiddleston does such a great job. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, this one, most of all, watching him in just this first episode, I was like, wow, he really embodies Loki, and he does a fantastic job of playing him. Like, I know he's been playing Loki since Adventure, like, oh, no, even before that, like, since Thor. I know he's been playing him for a long time, but this, like, really hit me just how much he understands like yeah. I just saw it. I saw it for the first time in this one episode. I was like, "Wow, he gets character. Like he really, owns mm-hmm. it. he does a good job." Indeed, indeed. All right. Well, hey, folks. Thanks so much for joining us on another adventure of Super Nerd Podcast. Hit that podcast subscribe button and leave us a review wherever. You're listening to us. Subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever else you find us. Hey, next week, we are going to be doing our next Bob's Book Club. We are talking Armada by Ernest Klein. So if you've been following us uh, and reading that with us, you're going to have a lot of fun uh, on our next podcast. So make sure to leave us a voicemail with your thoughts on Armada at anchor.fm slash super nerd podcast and you just might be featured on the upcoming show you can also email us your thoughts on armada at super podcast at gmail.com find us on facebook instagram twitter search super nerd podcast and give us a like and give us a share and tell a friend about us but from all of us at super nerd podcast stay nerdy my friends have fun catch you later hello